Hello and welcome to this week's episode. We have an interesting one where I recorded an episode with Dr. Morgan Anderson and we kind of shared the episode together for our audiences. It was a new experience. I really hope you enjoy it. Dr. Morgan Anderson is a clinical psychologist and relationship coach, host of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast and creator of the ESL Relationship Method. She helps women break the toxic dating cycle, raise their self-worth, and attract the healthy relationships they've always wanted in her eight-week relationship coaching program. She's on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching, and make sure you head over to her page to say hello. Let's get right into this interesting episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. This is a very special episode with Eli Weinstein. Welcome, Eli. So Thanks happy for having me. You. Yeah. So we're going to actually do a joint episode. So this episode will also be on your podcast. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, my podcast is called The Dude Therapist. It's a place where we discuss with and talk with experts and specialists on mental health, wellness, and motivation. All different people from all different walks of life. It's been really fun. It's really exciting. Awesome. And tell us a little bit about you. I want to make sure the audience knows who you are and the work that you do. Yes. I'm a therapist out in New York where I work with individuals and couples on their mental health and relationship struggles. Um, Been doing this for almost four years, just open a private practice out in New York. So that's exciting. Um, And really just trying to bring more of a digestible, relatable side to mental health so people can feel seen, heard, understood, and get the help they need. I love that so much. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I got an Instagram account, Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW. I have an email, Ellie Weinstein LCSW. I have a podcast, The Dude Therapist, where it's at The Dude Therapist on social media. Reach out whenever, however you want. We'll see if we can get in touch. I love it. I'm having a moment of I'm having Early a moment of, yeah, <laughs> I'm having this moment of self-compassion because I realize I've been saying your name wrong this whole time. So it's Ellie. It's Ellie, but everyone Eli. usually who doesn't know me calls me Eli just because E-L-I is Eli. Ellie. Okay. And in the end, it's all good. I'm so yeah. used to it. It doesn't bother me. It's all good in the end. Ellie. All right. I love it. Well, now I know. Now, now, now we're friends. I know the real way to pronounce your name. Now we're friends. That's it. You're in the circle. All right. Awesome. Um, and then for your audience, just a little bit about me. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching, and I'm a clinical psychologist. And then went on to create a relationship coaching program for women, helping women yeah. break toxic dating patterns and move towards secure attachment and attract that relationship that they deserve. And then obviously the podcast is the let's get vulnerable podcast. So I'm excited. We're Basically you're just killing it. Basically you're just doing amazing things. (laughs) You know, I got, I got to plug you for a second is that I've been seeing your stuff for so long and sharing it and resharing it. And you're just, your stuff is such quality and so consistent. And it is just great that I was like, I got to reach out to her. We have to collaborate. This has to happen. So I'm <laughs> so glad. It. I'm so happy for this. This has been, I, you know, I was thinking about that Instagram friendships are, you know, kind of interesting because 
it starts by just seeing each other's content, then you share stuff, you get to know each other. And um, this has been in the making for a while. So it's yeah. great to finally be here with you having this conversation. It's going to be great. Yeah. Okay, Ellie. So we wanted to talk about men getting comfortable with vulnerability and really showing up in relationships, doing the work. And I'm interested also on how do we talk about women allowing men to do that and giving, giving them the space and essentially the belief in men that they can show up and that they will. Yeah. Basically you're asking a massively loaded question, which is what I love to talk about because it's funny growing up in the nineties. Um, I was that kid who was like the emotionally aware kid because, because of my ADHD growing up, I was very emotionally overwhelmed from all different directions. It taught me how to truly own my emotions, to understand them, to see them, to, to be, to notice them. And I was very expressive of that emotion. And sometimes it was hard because as a guy, you can be looked at as less than or not manly enough because you might be emotional or share your emotions or feelings. It's like this unseen currency of this masculine society that creates this quiet, stoic strength equals manliness while the other side is weak, less than more feminine. And that's somehow a problem Mm. in that currency, in that locker room, in that school setting, in the the basketball court, whatever you're doing. Mm. And it really took me a while to understand where I stood as a man, as a guy, as a boy growing up, what it meant to be vulnerable in myself. Mm. And it's hard. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk more about this, but I love that introduction and your personal story. And I think you touched on something really key, which is the idea that sometimes we get into polarities, right? Of either all or nothing. Mm -hmm. So this idea of you're either masculine or you're not, um, of you either have emotion or you don't. But knowing that for all of us, it's on a spectrum, just like masculine, feminine energy. Yep. You don't possess just either one. You're not, mm-hmm. oh, masculine or you're feminine. It's on a spectrum. We have access to those energies um, at all the different levels. And honestly, it doesn't even make a big difference based on gender about the energy that you're bringing to the table because there's no wrong or right of that masculinity or feminine mm-hmm. energy. It's not a problem. It's not a negative and it shouldn't be a negative, but unfortunately each gender kind of gets its rap, bad rap for being the other that isn't accepted energy for what they should or shouldn't be doing. And that's where the problems kind of come come to play when people get shamed or embarrassed Mm -hmm. or looked down upon for acting authentic and who they are. This is really key because if we stop for a second and think about, okay, if I am a young boy growing up and I'm being socialized to be masculine, to be a tough man and not have emotions. And, um, and then I notice that, oh, I have a feeling of sadness or, ooh, I have some emotions coming up. 
my reaction to that is going to be fear, shame, et cetera. And kind of as a defense, I'm going to try to go even more masculine Mm -hmm. in return. So then what's happening is there's parts of the self that get completely cut off. Yeah. Meanwhile, those are wounded and and that wound is becoming more and more painful because you're not acknowledging it. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to talk about, you know, your specialty, toxic relationships sometimes are built on the lack of communication or this aggressiveness in a a partner or a spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not giving excuses, of course, for anyone who might be abusive or, you know, that that's a totally different ballgame. But in the end, there is this conditioned behavior of sharing or feeling emotions as a guy if they grew up in a certain society in a certain time period in a certain area that they were taught that they need to shut that down mm-hmm. and that, that there's no place for that in my mind in my heart and they then internalize and self-internalize and they start beating themselves up and become this kind of turtle where they they mm-hmm. take the emotions they shove them down in a very deep part of their shell and they don't they don't know how to access it sometimes and it's not that they don't have them. Mm-hmm. They're either partly afraid or don't even know how to even get to them because they're so far down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know, so obviously there's all kinds of relationship dynamics um, and sexual orientations. And I, right now I'm speaking to a male, female dynamic in a relationship. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes what can happen is, you know, women become uncomfortable with men's vulnerability Mm -hmm. and with, with men expressing weakness or expressing fear, partly because we as women have been socialized that that's not how men are supposed to show up. And it brings out our own fear if we see it in yeah. in the other. So I think this is really fascinating in couples work, right? Of yeah. teaching couples to allow, allow each other's emotions to be mm-hmm. there because we can unconsciously kind of shame our partner's experiences and, and unconsciously shut down emotions that we just aren't comfortable with. Yeah. And, and just to add a different layer Sometimes even the the female side of things are shut down as well, like the concept of you're too much, right? No one really uses that a lot for men. Oh, they're just too much. But for right. for women or females, they're per, like if they're emotional, oh, they're too much. That makes them kind of also pulled back and removed. Oh, yeah. And and it happens in a different way. It it's promoted in a different way. The words are used in a different way to describe those emotions. But you're a thousand percent right. When um, people have been conditioned to see men as the strong, you know, silent type or the strong, you know, be there rock mm-hmm. of a relationship, mm-hmm. and they show some sense of weakness. And I always use this example, even though it's extreme, um, like the Friends episode with Rachel and Bruce Willis, and he's this very intense character. I don't know what his name is on the show. And Rachel just wants him to share. Jennifer Aniston wants him to share mm-hmm. something. And she opens up this can that turns him into a blubbering, crying child for the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And I think women are afraid 
And of course, then Rachel is totally not attracted to him and doesn't want to be with him anymore. But people are afraid that if you open that, that dam, that you open that valve mm. of emotion, you let a man be themselves, share something that might not be what they usually share. Mm -hmm. Oh no, they're going to be this crying little baby that I can't control. It's going to be too much for me to handle. I don't know how to handle it. That's a TV show. It's not reality. And sometimes that might happen. And maybe the man just really needs to let that out because he's been holding that in for 15 mm -hmm. years. So it really is about understanding that yeah. perspective of what's going on truly in the guy's heart and their mind and body. And I think to know that, hey, if there's been something that you've blocked off for years and years, or I think of the metaphor of, you know, the closet that you just stuff everything into, it's like, I, I, I use that thing, one also, right? And then, hey, you go to finally open the closet, of course, stuff is going to fall down, hit you on the head, it's going to be a lot to deal with. But you have to go through that experience in order to get to a manageable place. So it's the same with emotions. At first, you're going to open it up and it's going to feel completely overwhelming. But that's a good sign. It means that, hey, this is something I need to sit with. I need to work through and know that there's a more balanced approach to that emotion on the other side yeah. of working through it. And that's really what the theory is behind emotional focus therapy, EFT therapy, Yeah, about really tapping into that emotional side of giving space for those emotions. Because if we hold them back, we hide them somewhere, it might end up turning out somewhere else. It might impact our brain, it might impact our body, our soul. But in a way, EFT and emotional focus therapy is really about analyzing them and bring them out and talking about the emotions that are happening in someone's life. And, you know, Dr. David Burns talks about it all the time, you know, uh, feel good therapy, right? That's the, his famous book about this emotional focus therapy, about how um, if we don't clean our rooms, they become dirty. But if we take all the dirt and hide it underneath the rug, it looks dirty, but it's really not. The dirt's still there. Mm -hmm. right. The same thing with negative emotions. We need to let them out. We need to open that pressure cooker valve just once in a while if we need to, to get that self-care, to get that release so that we can function. Yeah, exactly. Let's shift a little bit and talk about, so let's say you know, you're in a male-female relationship dynamic and let's say just for the heck of it, the woman's going through something like my program, like she's doing the work. She's really learning how to communicate. She's learning her attachment style. She's in a, you know, really making a ton of progress yet her partner's still kind of stuck and not opening up. How can we meet the man where he's at and invite him to grow with the woman instead of shaming him? Well, I love this question because if I had a, a thousand percent answer, I'd be making millions, uh, <laughs> right? Because for every couple, there's a, a lot of times that I've seen um, with couples is the, the woman is so gung-ho and involved in growing and everything, which is, by the way, why I started what I do. Because I did see a trend that men are not sharing on social media real mm. things. It's about working out, finances, I don't know, success. the trip they took, success, but it's not about the struggles or the pain or the emotions that every person goes through. Mm -hmm. And there's so many growth minded, like yourself, women who are killing it on social media and showing what it truly is to be emotionally aware, to struggle, to succeed, to grow, to fail, all the ups and downs in life. 
So what the biggest things that I tell a lot of couples, specifically women who are in that growth mindset and the guy might not be there yet and looks down upon either the growth or the woman is not able to bring that man into the growth is to pose it in a way to invite him and make him feel comfortable with the idea mm-hmm. because he will not be where you're at. Your growth mindset is not on the same wavelength as his. Yours is about spiritual, physical, mental growth that is so powerful and so strong that's driven by so many different things to be great. I think women have that innately in them to be growing. They're always trying to work and be better mothers, mm-hmm. better um, business women, be better friends, better daughters, mm-hmm. all those things, sisters, aunts, cousins, friends. I don't think men are always tapped into that as often as women are. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. Not one is better than the other. It's just different mindset. So to bring them, invite them in yeah. to something that is actually attainable for them and make it about the we of the couple and yeah. not about, well, I'm growing and you're not, you need to come yeah. to my level. That's automatically going to push them away and become defensive. So really about giving them the space to find something that you can connect on in a way that you can grow together for each other or individually. Yeah. I, this could be, you know, multiple podcast episodes, I'm sure, <laughs> but we'll try to talk about it. Um, you know, I think one thing you said that that stood out to me was the we. You need to be able to create the we of the couple of, hey, this is a third party entity, essentially. Like mm-hmm. there's you, there's there's me, and then there's this living, breathing third entity that is our relationship, that is the yeah. we. And we, both of us individually, need to contribute to that entity to help it function better. Here's what I'm doing. And then it's kind of being so curious about what, what would you like to contribute? Yeah. How can how, I partner how you, with you? And, you know, in your work, when dealing with either toxic relationships or, or, or women, women's work in relationships, how do you bring men into the conversation if they want it? Yeah. So I like to think about modeling and how powerful that is. So women who really are taking ownership and they're changing their their moods, they're changing their communication, they're how they're showing up, their partner can feel that change. So they're modeling it. And then just getting so curious about, hey, like, you see how I'm growing and changing? What what would it look like for you? Like, are there any ways that you would like to grow? Like, you know, curiosity is such a relationship superpower and just really using that. And the other thing that I like to point out too, and I, I talk about this with my women a lot is um, don't underestimate men because a lot of times we assume they don't want to Mm -hmm. don't underestimate. It's this go into the conversation with the awareness of, Hey, they want to connect with me. They want to grow. They just aren't sure how to do it. I love that. So, you know, I would, I would coach them to say something like, Hey, I value you as a partner. And I know that you're capable of meeting me, of telling me how you feel. And I, I'm so genuinely curious about what is going on in your inner world. How can I better support you in expressing it? And, you know, that, that formula sounds so great because it really is an invitation. Yeah, It's not an attack like, hey, you suck. You need to grow. It's yeah. not, I'm doing more than you in the relationship and you need to step up and do better. It's, I'm interested in what's going on. 
I know you care about this relationship. I know you love me. I know you love us. You're there. You're motivated. You're with us. You're always showing up in different ways. How can, you know, how can we do this together? And, and, and I love that formula because it really is a loving conversation. It's not an attack. It's not a putting down because when anyone does that in a relationship, no matter who it is, no matter what side of the partnership Mm -hmm. it is, that's never going to end well. That conversation is never going to turn out well because who wants to be attacked? No one, even if they're right, no one wants to be attacked. Nobody wants to be attacked. Yeah. So to come in with like, Hey, I want to know what's going on in your head. Yeah. And I think, I think something that's a misconception is that, that when you marry someone or you're in a relationship with someone that when you marry them or you start the relationship, that that's the be all and end all, it becomes stagnant. Mm. And that growth is not, is not possible within a relationship. But in the work that I do with couples, sometimes it's really about shining the light on the change that happens naturally in life. Mm-hmm. Whether you have different jobs, you move to a random place like your family's farm. Mm-hmm. And it changes your structure of who you are. You move mm-hmm. to another side of the or a different country. You have kids. Your kids are in school. They're friend groups. Everything changes the structure of the family and the we of that yes. relationship. It doesn't have to be stagnant because humans are not stagnant. We're always growing. It might not be seen. We might not realize it or notice it. But sometimes when we kind of show a light that this person has changed, there is a possibility for growth and change. Why not keep going with something that could be a together thing that could be something that helps the future of the relationship. And I think, like you said before, sometimes people don't don't even ask their partner. They assume that they're not Mm going to want to. And of course, nothing's going to happen because you didn't ask. Yep. And there's fear of rejection or fear of how the conversation will go. And, you know, when, when I'm doing couples work, I'll talk about how a relationship can be like a business or like a company. Right. If you have a functioning company that's going well, you know, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are people's roles? What's going on? And then I ask them, well, how often do you have meetings at work? Mm. It's not once a year. (laughs) It's, you know, it's at least every week you're checking in and you know what's working and what's not working. And people need to be able to give their relationship that same amount Mm. of energy of, yeah. Hey, what's going on? Right. We can't grow in something that we're not measuring and not understanding. And you have to make the space to have those conversations. And I, and I want to add, I want to like focus on two things you just said. that are so amazing. There's always going to be a weakness in a business and in a, in a relationship. It's not perfect. And the weakness doesn't mean that you now have to end it. There's always weaknesses in a relationship that's natural because we as humans are flawed and that's Mm -hmm. fine. And the second thing is that the check-in does not have to be a full-blown DMC, right? Deep, meaningful conversation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a sit-down two-hour meeting. It literally can be a, hey, what's going on? How are you doing this week? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling? Hey, I was thinking about you today. What's going on inside your head? Oh, yeah, I'm good. It could be 10, 15 minutes, but that check-in of real honesty and authenticity between the two of you mm-hmm. is a very um, beautiful, intimate moment that doesn't have to be this drawn out only once a year. You have that full out argument where you get to some realness of a relationship. It literally can be a week, every other week, twice a week, even once a day, if you like to yeah. check in and see how your partner's doing and where they're at. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure you and I, I mean, I know myself in my practice, I have met with couples who 
haven't really talked to each other in 15 years. Like they're just kind of cohabitating. Right. Um, and when it comes to the place where you're not having those conversations at all, it's not part of your routine. You've totally lost it as a habit. I believe that you benefit the couple by scheduling it, make it real, put it on the calendar, schedule it. And then, okay, once it becomes a habit and you do it and you don't have to think about it, maybe you're not, but put it on the calendar, make it a priority. Yeah. You know, people, people kept putting a lot of weird things on their calendar all the time. People put sex on their calendar, right? So yeah. why not make time for just talking? doesn't have yeah. to be something as intense as, as a sexual encounter. It could just be spending time with each other, Connection. going for a walk, connecting with each other. And I think those, those schedule things, those small daily or weekly things that we can create in our relationships can be very helpful to keep us grounded, um, mm-hmm. especially depending on someone's attachment. Let's say, for example, an anxious attachment, mm-hmm. just having someone check in makes you feel more confident in the relationship because without that, you might be stressed or nervous or on edge about knowing where the person's at, no matter how long you've been married or in a relationship with someone. So it never hurts to have small little, Hey, how you doing? Or I love you. What's going on? Absolutely. My, my favorite question in those check-in times or one of my favorites is uh, how can I best support you this week? Mm. Love that. We all need support. We all need support somehow. And, and, you know, even saying like, Hey, what are the big deals for you this week? Like what's, what are some of your big things that you have coming up? And Mm. when we are in tune with our partner to know what's going on in their world, then we can show up and support them better. And, you know, that's what we want. We want to feel seen. We want to feel supported when our partner takes that extra 10, 15 minutes to check in. It means a lot. Yeah. And that also helps guide. Let's say if someone might be on edge or, or a little, not themselves, or they snap at something or they're, you know, not being who they normally are by checking in with them in the beginning of the week or at the end of the week to know what's happening the week, the next week about big things happening Mm -hmm. or important things. It could be, has nothing to do with you. And -hmm. instead of taking it personally and causing a whole argument and conversation and disagreement, you are already prepped for knowing that someone might not be themselves, quote unquote, Mm-hmm. but you now know why. Yes. And that can help alleviate a lot of issues. It does. I it love that check-in. Does. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I talk about how in every relationship you're building a culture. I think a lot of people don't realize this, mm-hmm. that, Hey, you grow up with these relationship paradigms, these relationship models. Maybe you're, you know, you go off what your parents did and, you see what other people do and you think that that's how your relationship has to be Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, you know, the guy just wants to watch football all the time and doesn't actually (laughs) want to hang out with you. And like, you don't really connect or you don't really have a ton of joy and freedom, but you get to decide what kind of relationship do you want to create? Mm -hmm. You get to co-create your relationship culture as a couple. Yeah. You know, something that I talk about often with couples, when I was getting married, um, a, a mentor of mine told me about this thing that he does often with, with, with young couples is called an import export list where he makes you guys sit down as a couple and discuss, I have my family things. I have my religion. I have my culture. I have my background. You have your religion, your background, your culture, 
your relationship experiences, what do we want ours to be? And you import from the family, from the life that you've had, from both of you to come to a list or a conclusion on what your culture or your family is going to look like together as a discussion. It could take 20 minutes. It could take three days. It can go more. And it's a, probably a living, breathing document. Exactly. So my wife and I, we check in every single anniversary. We go through the list. Like, are we on task? Have things diverged a little bit positive, negatively? Are we still doing what we asked or discussed what we wanted out of our family? Are those values now changed because of where we are in our relationship in life? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And we sit there and we look at it. I think we missed last year because of COVID and just all the life and everything going on. But it, it has been a ritual in our in our in our marriage to go through this list. I think my wife keeps it in her in her wallet actually, and it's something that we hold very dear because it explains to us what we want for our family, not what our in laws, not what our parents, not what our friends, not what yeah. our what we need for us. Beautiful. And creating that culture defines who we are as a couple. And what we want for our future and family. And I think it's really important. Really important. And the piece about, hey, you got to write it down. You got to have it on something that you both can see. I would suggest pencil. Pencil. Yeah. Pencil. (laughs) Or, hey, I like a Google Doc personally. So you go in there, edit it, you know. I'm a big Um, Google Doc fan also. Yeah, yeah. So thinking of, I'll even have couples come up with, you know, values. What are the values of our um, connection or partnership. And then something that I've been really working on, cause I've done this with individuals and I've been introducing it to couples work now too, mm-hmm. but creating couples vision maps. Mm, love it. So getting together, brainstorming. Okay. So we know where we are. We know what's important to us. We have that figured out. What do we want for the, we, right? Yeah. What is the shared vision of the, we look like? And getting photos and writing out what it looks like and having that shared, that shared vision. And I don't think a lot of couples think about doing that in the beginning of their relationship. (laughs) And I really believe that if couples sat down when they were dating or even got engaged or even the beginning of their marriage and discussed what, not the simple things of life, not the chemistry, not the sexual chemistry. I'm not talking about the comfortability, not all that stuff. That, of course, is extremely important. I'm talking about the vision and the view of your family yeah. and your future. If you sat down and all of a sudden, 15 years into your marriage, you don't go, wait, we're not on the same page? What happened? Well, it could have been avoided or discussed and figured out to compromise or decide yeah. what you wanted 15 years earlier. It doesn't yeah. have to be this, oh my goodness, or aha moment that surprises you 5, 10, 15 years into your marriage or relationship. Absolutely. And the beauty of, hey, when two people come together, you get amazing ideas when you're sharing it and you're collaborating. That's that's the beauty of a we, right? Two together is more powerful than um, two apart. And I think having the shared we vision along with your own individual, and by the way, that you should know what your partner's individual vision is as well so you can support them in it. So you need that aspect, but you also need the shared vision. Um, And that's, it's huge. It's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do a couples course. I'm like talking, I've been thinking it lately. I'm like, oh, I want to do a couples program. Go for it. 
there's so many things that we just never learn that are so beneficial to couples. And sometimes, you know, I think for, you know, either therapists or relationship coaches, it seems so obvious Yeah. because we're trained or we've studied it or we've experienced it while working in this field. A lot of people either didn't grow up in a household or environment where they saw it or haven't thought about it to the point where it actually impacts their relationships in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ellie, is there anything that we haven't gotten to? I know, I mean, our time is flying by, but is there anything that you're curious about? Yeah. How did you get into the work of toxic relationships and, and um, where that kind of started and how it's, how it's been going, where it led, led you to places? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think like many of us in this field, I had my own childhood background um, with not having great models for relationships growing up and kind of um, I started dating even in middle school, um, which if you want to call it dating, but it was, I just never had healthy relationships from the very beginning of my romantic life. Um, Definitely had both anxious and avoidant attachment patterns. Mm -hmm. And while I was in my freshman year of my doctoral program, so the first year of my doctorate degree, uh, here I am studying to be a clinical psychologist and I'm specializing in couples work, studying attachment theory. Mm -hmm. And somehow I found myself in an abusive relationship with a narcissist. Um, and it was probably one of the worst, most traumatic experiences of my life, a year and a half with this partner. Um, and it ended with kind of this near death experience and a police report. And just, I was completely rock bottom. And it was this realization of this is not sustainable. I cannot mm-hmm. keep living my life with these relationship patterns. So, mm-hmm. From that point forward, I committed myself to, I will figure out how to have healthy relationships. And it was a lot of therapy, a lot of my own coaching, a lot of research, becoming, you know, actually achieving my doctoral degree and Mm -hmm. all of that work. Um, And then here we are like eight years later, and I'm sharing my own knowledge and what I learned in my own transformation And I'm sharing that with women to help them move towards secure attachment, have healthy relationships, and even more importantly than that, heal the relationship with themselves Mm. so that they can live fulfilled, healthy lives. Yeah. What a story. And and where was that moment where you realized that what you were doing was working and exploding on, on social media? Great question. You know, not, not that that is the only success rate of like, oh, I have this many yeah. followers, but you must be doing something right. Where was that moment where you're like, oh, this is working. People like what I'm doing. It's so funny. Like when I first started everything, it was like, oh, like, you know, I love my private practice. And at the same time, I know I can't quite help women the way I want to, because I'm not supposed to give advice as a psychologist. And um, there was these things that were missing. And um, I think... The first time I did a group program probably was when it really, because I had only done individual work 
Mm-hmm. But I did this the very first time I did the group, it was with 12 women and they were all committed to be there and being in that group setting and seeing how they connected and how they grew, um, the stories, the transformations, the mm-hmm. the messages I would get, wow. um, it just became really clear to me that I was onto something. And a lot of those women I still talk to. And I get to see them in happy, healthy relationships. I love like stalking them on IG and like seeing uh, their engagement pictures. Of it's like wedding. those pediatricians or those doctors or dentists <laughs> that have all the pictures of like, or the OBG doctors yeah. that has all the pictures of the babies that they've given this, birth to, you know? I'm like looking at the weddings like, yes, <laughs> right. Or even, even more important than that, like seeing them become happy, content, fulfilled women who are mm-hmm. in healthy relationships and yeah, just seeing that with that first group of women. And then from there, whoo, it has just taken off. And yeah, amazing. we have so many, we have so many women coming. And you have an amazing outline to your, you know, your posts are always that, that, that whitish, you know, beige background with the blue yeah. and black, right? It's iconic. It's so like, I, when you. I see that, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. Like, it's right there. So it's really, I think you kind of created a, an amazing brand yeah. to help women yeah. really feel seen hurt in relationships yes. and to learn how to navigate them in a way that they can feel Thank secure you. and healthy. I Thank you wonderful. so much, Ellie. And you know, for me, it was always like, Hey, I love to create, like I'm, I'm working on a book right now and I have, you know, Good the podcast you. happening and I am my happiest when I'm creating, but for me, creating is about helping people. So yes. when I get to create and then my creativity helps people, I am just the happiest version of me. And I couldn't, if I wanted to not do it, I wouldn't be able to, you know what I mean? Like it's the kind of thing Part of who I, you are. I have to do it. Yeah. There's you know, no, I was joking. no ignoring it. <laughs> I was joking with someone once. Someone asked me once if I would ever want to be famous. I said, yes. And they said, Oh, for the money. I said, no, I can help more people. Yeah, like, like it gives you more cool. access. It gives you more, um, yes. Ability to reach and help more people. I mean, we see it all the time with someone with 15, not that I expect to have ever have millions of followers, but you never know people with that many followers, they post something and it has so much power, good or bad, but as a therapist, as a coach, as someone who is in tune with the idea of successful people, helping people feel healthy, mentally, physically, spiritually, that's such a powerful tool that we can help so many. So I am totally on the same wavelength. I cannot wait to write a book soon. I have a lot of ideas and plans. Just actually have to sit down and start writing. But it's so exciting to get a chance to actually chat with you because you are really doing so much amazing work that it needs to be spread even more. So I really appreciate all the work you do for so many. Thank you. I'm so glad that you are doing what you're doing because I think there's a lot of men out there and they'll message me and they'll say, you know, where can I find this for men? Um, because it's just not as available. It's not as accessible. No. So the work that you're doing of being this relatable man who, you know, has a family and you're successful in all the ways and you're vulnerable, you're emotional, you can tune into that side of you. Um, men really need that. So I Appreciate applaud that. that. And I know you also work with women as well. And um, there's a lot of value in that too, of relating to men who are emotionally healthy. I think about that when we, as women relate to men mm-hmm. who are emotionally healthy, we get to have corrective emotional experiences. It's you know, beautiful. I get that a lot, actually. Sometimes when I do podcasts 
or even as a, as a therapist, people yeah. will say, oh, you're my first male uh, person on a podcast, the therapist. Yeah. A lot of times with clients, it's I've never had a male in my life mm-hmm. who has been stable or relatable or yes. aware or healthy in that way. And it's a very eye-opening experience that I have that ability to give that to someone. Um, and it's a, it's a really exciting time. It really is. It's really powerful because it helps them form those kinds of relationships in their lives too. And I attribute some of my own growth to a male coach that I worked with, who was that for me, one of the first male figures that was emotionally healthy Mm -hmm. and open and stable and consistent. And that helped me shift my paradigm on, Oh, how can a man show up in a relationship? Mm -hmm. So anyways, very powerful work that you're doing. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So once again, how can people connect with you? Let's go over that one more time. Yeah. So I have two Instagram accounts, one for my personal as a therapist, Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW. My podcast account is at the dude therapist. I have a podcast, the dude therapist, uh, working on a website to make it more legitimate in a nice, clean, uh, wonderful yeah. way. So it's um, a process. Yeah. Right. And uh, please reach me at um, there's emails on there. Everything is on, on Instagram and how can people reach you? How can my, my listeners yeah. get in touch with you? Thank you so much, Ellie. And um, just a side note, if you're listening to this episode and you really appreciate it, make sure that you screenshot it and tag myself, which is at Dr. Morgan coaching, Dr. Morgan coaching on IG um, and then they can chain or tag you as well, Ellie, uh, at the Dude Therapist. And we'd love to see it in your stories and kind of hear your feedback. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. You know, that's my favorite spot to hang out. <laughs> um, and also the podcast. We do two episodes every single week. So if you want to get tuned into the community, that's kind of the best place. And that's the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. Love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. I'm glad we got to connect. And I know that this will help a lot of people out there, whether they're single in a relationship, no matter where they're at on their relationship journey, I think this will be helpful. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being on mine as well. Yes. Talk soon. Yep. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week. And see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast, because we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.